Welcome to the podcast of Ben Kruska, where every Wednesday there's a fresh word of faith and victory for your life. Now, here's Ben Kruska. Open up your Bible to 2 Corinthians 13, the very last verse. Second Corinthians 13, verse 14. Ja, in Nederlands 13, maar in het Engels 14. Het ons het me hier te verbeteren van de voorstel. Lekker dan. Nee, gaat je. In het Nederlands doen ze soms, is, is soms anders met de, met de versen. In de psalm is dat ook zo. En, ja, in het Nederlands is het 13 en in het Engels vers 14. Okay, but it says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's thankful for the grace of God? (laughs) Who would be here without the grace? (laughs) No, you wouldn't. You would not be here without God's grace. If it weren't for the grace of God, none of us would still be here. This world would have been gone. Just like with the Ark of Noah, God would have done it again, you know. But now with like a nuclear bomb or something like that, I don't know. But um, it's for the grace of the Lord that we are still here. It's by His grace we are saved. It's by, our, by His grace that we are alive. It's by His grace that we have a life. And then it talks about the love of God, the love of the Father. It's wonderful to know the love of the Father. The Bible talks about it in Ephesians chapter 3, that we, may, that we may come to know His love through experience for ourselves and be rooted in that love and grounded in that love. It's a wonderful thing to know and to get to know more and more the love that the Father has for us. For God so loved the world, God so loved you, God so loved me, that He gave His Son. Like Just that act of love, just that, would be enough to chew on for the rest of our lives. How, how much he loves us. When they, I, I think I mentioned it last week, but they asked Billy Graham when he was older. You know, the man with, who had led many, many, many thousands of people to the Lord. Filled a bunch of stadiums all over the world. Spoke with presidents. Was friends with many presidents and government leaders. But they asked him, what's the greatest revelation you ever had? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. It's the greatest revelation. The love of God. That God would love people that used to be sinners like us. And he would love us so much that he would give his very best, his own son. That he would bankrupt heaven to gain us. We will need all of eternity to... There's no comprehending that kind of love. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father. And the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with some apostles. Be with the pastoral staff. (laughs) be with the older and wise (laughs) you got a young lady but (laughs) it's her birthday too this week so she's getting younger as well all the ladies here you picked a good church all the leadership they just get younger and younger it's amazing For the guys, I'm sorry, I'm getting older and older. (laughs) But even if the outward man perishes, the inner man is being renewed day by day. (laughs) But the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be with all of us. So the Bible talks about that every single one of us can have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That word fellowship means partnership, means it's koinonia, it's like... It's, it's partnering together, fellowshipping together. When you hang out with someone and you talk and you share, that's fellowship. It's a very Christian word, isn't it? We'll spend, we'll, we'll, we'll 
after service, we'll have some time of fellowship. You don't ever hear a sinner talk about, we're going to the bar. We're, gonna, we're going to the bar for a time of fellowship. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a term they use. <laughs> but it's a Christian term. Fellowship. It's the, it's the going back and forth of life. The sharing together. The partnering together. It's sweet to have fellowship with other believers. Iron sharpens iron. Side note, wood doesn't sharpen iron. So you can have wood and iron together. It doesn't make a good relationship. Iron sharpens iron. Wood actually makes the iron blunt instead of sharper. So uh, think about who you hang around with. Bad company corrupts good morals. But we're talking about the company we keep. Many uh, success gurus or whatever they say, you know, like, uh, show me your five best friends and I'll tell you where you'll be in five years. Because what you surround yourself with automatically is what you're going to become and is what you're going to follow in. That's why a lot of the dumb things we did as young, as teenagers, was because we had the wrong friends. Maybe we were the wrong friends that caused the others to do dumb things. <laughs> I'm not going to, you can fill that in for yourself, you know. <laughs> Somebody pointing fingers. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's guilty. <laughs> Pastor Shauna is guilty as charged. Caused many people to stumble, but now she's bringing many people to righteousness. Praise God. God can turn it all around. <laughs> but... We talk about that in the negative, but it's the same in the positive. When you surround yourself with godly people, they're going to help you grow. They're going to help you to the next level. They're going to help you move forward, right? Who's seen that? That's why, it's why we have home groups and dream teams. So you don't just come to church and go back home all by yourself. But that there's, there's, there's others you can do life with. But what if I tell you there's another relationship that you can develop that will even bring you way further? And it's the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 16, verse 7. Let's look it up real quick. Because I've mentioned it a few Sundays now, but it would be good for you to read it as yourself as well, not just hear me quote it. He says, nevertheless, John 16, 7, it is to your advantage that I go away. If you just pause there for a second, just put yourself in Peter's shoes. Or in John, the beloved's shoes. Who would, who would put his head on the chest of Jesus and just have intimate fellowship with Jesus. Imagine that, being so close with Jesus that you're one of his inner circle three friends. And then Jesus says, it's better if I go. It's like, mm, I doubt that. <laughs> the dog, you know, that goes like squinty eyes. Have you ever seen that dog? <laughs> I don't think it's better. I'd rather have you here. My life sucked before you showed up. But now it's been awesome the last three years. Imagine John saying that, you know. But Jesus is like, no, listen. It's better. It's to your advantage that I go away. You, You'll benefit from my departure. It's like, I remember what my life was before you came. How can my life be any better than what it's been these last three years? No, but you don't let me finish what I'm saying. It's better for you if I go away because I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I come back to you again. But it's not going to be me in the flesh, but it's going to be my spirit. Not just be with you, but we're going to come in you. It is to your advantage, advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Who's that helper? That word is the parakletos, which means the helper, the comforter, the standby, the advocate, the one called alongside to help, the intercessor. He's there always as a helper, not just with you, but in you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So the Father sent the Son. But the Son sent the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to send him to you. 
He said, I'm not leaving you comfortless. I come back to you again. I'll send my Holy Spirit. See, if Jesus was in this room today, we could put him on the stage. Everybody see him. Everybody be, pay attention, be paying attention to him, listening to the words coming out of his mouth. Some of us would follow him wherever he would go. Because you could see him, you could hear him, you could touch him. We'd spend a lot of, we would, we would really put our attention on him. But Jesus said, I'm, I'm coming back to you. But now, not in physical form, I'm, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2. We talked about it last week. It's the Spirit of Christ. Let me say that better. He is the Spirit of Christ. He is a person, just like Jesus is a person. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. The Father is a person. With a will, with emotion, with desire, speaking. The Son is a person, speaking, emotion. Jesus wept. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. A real person. The Holy Spirit is also a real person. So, but if Jesus would be here physically, everybody would be like, oh man, let me listen. I'll come back next week and I'm trying to find him on Monday again. But the Holy Spirit... You can't see him, and we ignore him because we can't see him. But he's still there, and he's always there. He never leaves us, never forsakes us, has come to make his home inside of us. And if we would have fellowship with the person, Jesus Christ, if he was physically here on this earth, ask him questions, listen to what he says, spend time with him, search him out, then why don't we do that same thing? With the precious Holy Spirit. Because we think he's not a person. He's a wind. He's a dove. He's a, he's a goosebump. It's like, ooh. And those are all things he brings. But it's a person behind it. Let's look at Ephesians. Thank you, Holy Ghost. For helping me communicate. Ephesians 4, verse 29. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30. And do not grieve... The Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You can't grieve a wind. You can't grieve a goosebump. In Nederland staat er bedroef. You can grieve a person. I've been married now... Uh, since 2010, so 13 years. Or, yeah, 2000, so 13 years, yeah. Yes, yes, okay, 13 years. <laughs> April, 3rd of April, 2010, yeah. So, we have a wonderful marriage. But if I would ignore my wife all the time, she would feel grieved. If I would do things that would bother her all the time, and she would say it bothers her, and I would just ignore that and keep doing the same things that bother her, She's going to be grieved. She's going, what is the result? She's going to draw back. Withdraw. Many people are not carriers of the presence of God. There's no tangible anointing in their life because they have, they have no concept and no consciousness that the Holy Spirit is with them and they, they just, He's just ignored. And what's the response? It's withdrawn. Every person wants to be valued. Every person wants to be seen, wants to be noticed. Nobody likes to be ignored. Nobody likes to be just, you know, taken for granted. But if we're not careful, we use his gifts, but we ignore the person. 
We want the power and the spectacular. But him? Nah. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You're like, what does this have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Because when you have friendship and fellowship and close, intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit, He will show you things to come. He will reveal the heart of the Father to you. He will speak to you. He will help you. He will bless your life so significantly. Like if you were friends with someone high in government and you had some kind of trouble that you're running into, you could speak to them and they could maybe fix things for you. It's like, oh, let me call my friend. They'll help me. But this is even some, someone way greater than anyone in, in natural government. This is the one who reigns over all. And he says, the fellowship with that one. Be with you all. But the majority of the body of Christ is completely ignorant of the fact that there is a possibility of fellowship with Him. I believe it's in Isaiah 65. It says something similar. Let me see if I can find it. I think I wrote it. Uh, sorry, Isaiah 63. Verse 10. Speaking about the people of Israel. It says, but they rebelled and grieved this Holy, Holy Spirit. They rebelled and grieved this Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy and he fought against them. We can't despise this gift that the Lord gave us. And we can't abuse this gift that the Lord gave us. Just like we can't ignore and despise and reject the gift that the Father gave through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So also we can't despise and, and ignore this precious gift that the Lord Jesus gave to his church, his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is more than tongues. The Holy Spirit is more than prophecy. The Holy Spirit is more than a touch. The Holy Spirit is a person. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And every single one of us, we can develop that relationship with Him. God's desire is that we come to know Him as a person. In Hosea 6 verse 6. Hosea 6 verse 6. He said, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The knowledge of God. More than burnt offerings. More than what we give to the Lord. Thank God for that we're able to give. But he says, let your giving and our sacrificing and the, th the things we do for him, let it not be a replacement or a substitute of actually knowing him. Jesus quoted that scripture all the time he, to the Pharisees. He says, have you not understood where it said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice? He quoted that scripture all the time. He's like, don't you know the heart of God? He says, for these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom. Because they will hear these words, I never knew you. It's so important to know him. What a privilege we have to know him. In John 17 verse 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life. That you may know Him and His Son whom He has sent. It's eternal life to know Him. And it's one thing to follow someone on Twitter or on Instagram or on Snapchat or whatever. But it's another thing to actually know them. 
Most of us probably follow some celebrity or whatever, some football player or someone. And we, don't, we, we know things about them, but we don't know them. Let that not be said of us, dear friends, that we filled churches on Sundays, but we never really drew near with our hearts to really come to know Him. I want to know Him. Like Paul said, I want to know Him. And the fellowship of His sufferings. The power of His resurrection. I want to know Him. You say, well, I already know Him. Yeah, but you can know Him more. And when you're getting to know Him more, you can get to know Him more. And once you know Him more, you can get to know Him some more. And in Him are the endless treasures of wisdom and all the riches of wisdom. His, 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 his beauty is unsearchable. His glory is unsearchable. He's, he's beyond finding out. How big is God? He's like that diamond that has so many different facets. And every time you look at him, he sparkles more in a new way. And you say, I've never seen him like this. And he reveals himself through this word. So that we can come to know him, not as a God who is far away and we serve him out of religious duty and out of fear for punishment. But that we're sons and daughters, we would draw near with an open heart and with confidence and with expectation. We can enter into boldness, with boldness into the throne of grace. We can come near, draw near with a conscience sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. We can draw near with confidence that, we, that the way has been made. We can draw near knowing that our sins are forgiven. We can draw near knowing that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We can draw near to have fellowship. Like Adam and Eve, they walked in the cool of the night with God. They had it all. And the devil lied to them and said, if you eat from this tree, you'll be like God. But what they had, what riches they had. The fifth after Adam, Enoch. The Bible says he walked with God and he was not because God took him. <laughs> His fellowship with the Lord became so intimate that the Lord was like, there's no point for you being on the earth anymore. Just come. We're hanging out so much. <laughs> We always say this. Minutes with God make hours with man. But hours with God make minutes with man. What does that mean? It's when you spend a lot of time with God. When people come with problems, you only need minutes to fix it. But when you spend minutes with God, you need hours to fix people. So we got to get our priorities straight. we got to put God first. In our lifestyle. We got to put God first in our schedule. So people say, I don't have time to pray. <laughs> make time. Let's make time. Let's make time for him. And I'm not talking about some religious duty. And I'm going to do this. And show that God that I'm serious. No, I'm talking about, Lord, I love you. I want to know you more. I'm hungry for your word. Because I want to find you out more. I know your heart. Moses had that. Moses said, Lord, teach me your ways. Show me your glory. Let's look at it in Exodus 33. God's calling us tonight, my friends. Draw near. Exodus 33, starting in verse 12, Moses, the Lord tells Moses, like, okay, I'll still send Israel into the promised land, but I'm not coming along. I'll send an angel. Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, Lord, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. What is that scripture, Pastor David, where he says, he showed his, 
Acts to the people? So I wonder if, what does it say? His ways to the Moses. His acts he revealed to the people, but his ways he revealed to Moses. Psalm 105. Thank you, sir. Look at that. Bible lexicon. <laughs> so you can know about God, but you can also know God. You can know what he does, but you can also know why he does it. You can, you can see what's happening in the world. And you can see God moving in different places. But you can also be so close to his heart that you find out his heartbeat about the situation. When Jesus told his disciples at the Last Supper, he said, you know, like one of you will betray me. And they all said, Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? And Jesus said, I'm not telling you. But then John was so close to Jesus, he laid his head on his chest. And he said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus told him, he said, I'm going to dip the bread into the cup. And the one whom I give it to, that's the one. But he only told John. John told every one of us. <laughs> so if you don't know God, at least know somebody that knows God. Peter's like, what did he say? <laughs> Moses said, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. And that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And then God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So Moses negotiated with God. He's like, Lord, he, the Lord told him, I'm sending my angel, I'm not coming. But Moses said, Lord, I want to know you. Tell me, you're coming, right? Show me grace, Lord. We don't deserve it, but show grace, Lord. He knew the heart of God. He knew that God is a God of grace and mercy. Like Abraham when he negotiated with God about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, Lord, allow me to speak. If there are 50 righteous, will you destroy the city? I know you're gracious. No, for 50 I won't do it. If you find 10, you know, and he just negotiates it down. Because he knew God is merciful and kind, slow to anger. He knew the heart of God. Then Moses said to him, verse 15, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. What he said, as a matter of fact, he said, I'd rather stay in this dry, hot desert with you than to be in the land flowing of, with milk and honey without you. We talk about prosperity. But I'd rather be in a in an up the high with Jesus than live in a mansion without him. But thank God he doesn't have you, you don't have to choose. Amen. Amen. But he said, my, the most important treasure in my life is your presence. Amen. What I value above everything else is you, your presence. Like Psalm 27. David said, one thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing. Oh, I want your presence. Oh, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to gaze upon him in, his, in, his, in the beauty of his holiness. I want to know him. I don't want to stand from the sideline and watch. I want to be in his presence. I want to live in him, move in him, and have my being in him. If your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. He's saying, this is the difference maker, man. We are no different from the football club down the road other than the presence of God. Because in the football club, they're all singing. They're shouting. They're having a good time. They're worshiping someone. They're proclaiming victory and all these things. But no lives are being changed. 
Maybe for the worst. I don't know. I don't want to judge. <laughs> but we singing. We shouting. We're supporting our team. But we have his presence. And that's what makes the difference. Because that's actually the thing that why lives are changed. That's why people are coming from all over Holland to come to this place. And camp out here on a whole Sunday. That's why people from all kinds of cultures are here. All kinds of different backgrounds. What brings all these people together? What the world tries to plan to get? Unity. They can't get it. Because it's only accomplished in His presence. There's a little, little picture of what heaven will be like. Where He is all in all. So, I'm very aware of the fact we're not here because I'm such a great preacher. We're here because of His presence. We're here because of his presence. But when his, if his presence would ever leave, I'd be the first one to leave. Because we're not here to build some organization. We're not here to build some human structure. We are here to bring glory to the name of Jesus. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses was not satisfied yet. He said, please show me your glory. Show me your glory. See, the glory of God is the essence of his being. It's the core of who he is. Moses like, okay, I, I, I've known a lot of things about you, but I want to get right to the center. I want to know your glory. I want to really know the weight of your personality. Who you are. It's a lot to ask for. And God said to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And then he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me. You shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face will not be seen. Verse 5 of the next chapter, 34 verse 5. Now it actually happens what God said to Moses. Moses is standing on the cleft of the rock. Hallelujah. This could be a cleft of the rock here tonight. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The Lord answered the cry of Moses and revealed himself to him. Then God, Moses asked, because now we have a clearer picture of what God is like. The Lord, merciful and gracious and long-suffering and kind. God is a good God. God is a good God. And we can get to know him more. In these next few months, we can get to know him more than ever before. Who's hungry for that? Oh, Lord, we are hungry to get to know you more than ever before. See, when you're in religion, it's just forms and, 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 and hoops you jump through, checklists you go through to be good so that your God is not angry at you. But that's not true Christianity. True Christianity is a relationship. Is a relationship. Like the Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Christianity is God coming down from heaven to bring us up with Him. We have been reconciled with Him. That's why the Bible says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing. No separation. 
We've been made one with Christ. Speaks of relationship. No distance. No long distance relationships with God here. But how? It's by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit is on earth today. As the agent of the Godhead on the earth today. And we can have fellowship with Him. That when we read the Word, Jesus said He will take out of what is mine and He will reveal it unto you. He will take out of the Word and will reveal it to you. Show you the Word. Show you Christ. We always say this, the Holy Spirit is the artist that paints Jesus on the canvas of our hearts. He makes Jesus walk right off those pages, right into our It's like, man, I can see him. He's, he's, he becomes real to me. He's a living Christ. So when you read your word, don't read it as a normal book. It's like, okay. But read it with the Holy Spirit. Read it as if he's sitting next to you and ask him. He's the author of the book. He wrote the thing. So you can ask him, hey, what did you mean here? What does this mean? I don't get it. I'm a little slow. Lord, help me. That's how I talk to him. It's like, okay, Lord, help. I'm not the brightest kid in class. Others might get this. I don't get this. Can you show me? When you go to work in the morning, you can say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're coming with me. When you have a task at work you don't know what to do with, please help me, Holy Spirit. When your business is like hitting a wall, you can ask him, Lord, give me wisdom to overcome this obstacle. When your kids are acting up and you don't know what to do with these rugrats. <laughs> Holy Ghost, help me. You know what to do. You know the key to unlock this situation. Help me. Help me. And Jesus said, the helper will come. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, the helper will come. Help you. Will help you. He will help you. He's helping me today. I've been preaching nonstop. I was feeling a little tired before service, but I'm very much enjoying myself. He's helping me right now. But He wants to help you on a Monday. He wants to help you on a Tuesday. He wants to help you on a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday. He wants to help you with that difficult family member that you just, ah. Help me. <laughs> Don't point at anybody. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. It's always there to help. But, like Corrie ten Boom said, she said this. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? So it's the thing you grasp for when your life is stranded and when you're stuck in a situation? Or is it something you live by daily, let you steer your life? For many people, it's a thing. It's like, oh man, my life is a mess. Let me uh, call 911. Uh, Jesus, help. But what if you built that relationship every day? That it's not like you have to repent for 12,000 things before you can ask for help. Lord, I'm sorry I ignored you there and I didn't do this and you asked me to do that and I didn't come to church in three months and Lord, I had New Year's resolutions. I didn't keep any of them. But, but Lord, uh, forgive me now. But I really need some help right now. He'll be gracious to help. But that's not the fullness of the relationship that he wants with you. I used to do that in, in, in university. They called me 5.6. 5, my, my fellow students called me 5, S. Because I wasn't serving the Lord, but I knew him. I knew one day I'll serve the Lord. But not right now, Lord. I'm, 
Embarrassed to even tell you. But then when, when test time came, tentamas, examas, I was like, Lord, help. Please help. You did the same, Robert John. Yeah, guilty as charged. <laughs> We're all confessing today. Lord, help. And I studied less than all my friends, and I would always pass. They would get a four, three and a half, but I would always get a 5.6. 5.5 was failing. 5.6, you get all the study credits. It doesn't look good on your uh, diploma, but at least you get all the study points. Study points. Study points. So <laughs> he would help me. How gracious is God to help you when you don't deserve it. But how much better is it to live right and to walk with him day by day? Amen. And just like close fellowship. It's like a marriage, you know, it's like people live, they're like roommates in the same house, but they don't have any relationship. But then when they need something, they're like, oh, let's talk. But that's not really the fullness of what God has designed marriage for. And you can have better than that. But in order to have better, you have to share. And you have to listen. You have to communicate. Communication is more than just talking. It's many people's prayer life. Lord, I want this. And Lord, help me with that. And Lord, this and so. And Lord, this and that. And it's all sending, 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 but never listening. What if we'd spend some time listening every now and then? Tuning into His frequency. By praying in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that in Romans 8. Is this helping anybody tonight? Yeah. Romans 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses. See, if you're always strong in your own strength, you're not going to have much help from the Holy Spirit. Because you can't help when you're already helping yourself. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's why... I love what Bishop David Oyedepo said from Nigeria. He said, there are no great men in this world. There's only common men with great grace from a great God. So some people look real strong and like they have it all together. But maybe they're just leaning on the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'd be such a mess without you. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, I need you every day. I need you more today than ever before. Oh, Lord, help me. I need your strength. I need your joy. I need faith in my spirit. Oh, Lord, I need wisdom from you. I need favor today. Lord, if you don't come through for me, I'm finished. I need the Lord more now than I did when we were in Dima Park Land. And stay okay. And I needed him a lot then. But I need him more now. The only way to stand is to stand leaning on Him. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That means, hey, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Acknowledging Him. Acknowledging that He's actually there. And when he helps you, when he gives you wisdom, when he gives you favor, acknowledging that it was his help. That's why gratitude is such a key. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I give you all the glory. Lord, any good thing coming out of my life is coming from you. I know that for sure. <laughs> so he comes to help in our weaknesses. It's okay to be weak. Because when you're weak, it's actually an opportunity for him to show his strength. Yeah. You say, oh man, I feel so weak. I don't know if I can come to church. It's the best time to come to church. Yeah. I feel so weak. I don't know if I can resist against this temptation anymore. It's the best time to just say, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Help me, Lord. 
And watch him do it. Watch him fight your battles. He said, you will not need to fight in this thing. I will fight for you. Leaning on him. Fully trusting and confident in him. Many people are confident in their own strength, in their own talents, in their own giftings. But the end of that is like, look what I did. Whereas if you know you're nothing without him. He is everything, I am nothing. Then any good thing is all for his glory. That's why the Bible says, I choose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I choose the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. His strength is made perfect in weakness. When you're feeling weak, run to him. Don't run away. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the, the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Is a person with a mind. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So that too, it's yielding. Letting him pray through. All of us have probably had it that we don't know what to pray. It's like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what, what, what route to go. I don't know what to turn left, to turn right. Or immigrate aus. I don't know. I don't know, Lord. But then, then it's like, okay, yielding. Yielding. Living a surrendered life. Living a yielded life. Many people forcing things. I'm going to walk in love this week. Monday, 9 in the morning, it's already gone. You know, it's like all the love left. You've never seen an apple tree sweating to produce apples. Apples? No, if the tree is planted in good ground, water is coming through, it's nourishment for the, for the, for the whatevers, and then, then the fruit comes. It's the same with you and me. He is the vine. We are the branches. We stay plugged into Him. His life flows through our veins, and fruit comes forth. And people are like, man, you've changed. Just praise God. Hallelujah. He helps in our weaknesses. When we don't know what to pray, when we don't know what to choose, when we don't know which way to go, He will, when we yield to Him and let Him have His way. That's why many times I pray before service, Lord, I get out of the way so you can have your way. We're not trying to force anything here. This is let it, let it flow. Let Him do His thing. He knows what people need. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He has, he has, he has, he's actually the mastermind creator of the universe. When God spoke, let there be light, the Holy Spirit started moving and light came and, and, and everything just clicked. And God looked and said, it's very good. The mind that created the universe. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2. If I'm right. Verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7. It says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery... The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the thing which God has prepared for those who love him. Many of us have heard that scripture. But have we heard the rest? 
Verse 10, the next verse. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Revealed what? What eye hasn't seen, what ear hasn't heard, what hasn't entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared. God has revealed them to us. How? Through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. You want to know God? Get to know the Holy Ghost. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God, imagine him, like a going around like a candle, searching the deep things of the heart of God. So if you want to know God and know his heart, then get to know the Holy Spirit because he's searching all those things. And his mission is to reveal it unto us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Oh, hallelujah. So his mission on earth is to let us know and to educate us and to teach us the things which have been freely given to us by God. The deep things of God. Starting with the basics. Starting with the ABCs and then onwards. And many times the ABCs are the deepest things. When you talk about the cross and when you talk about the blood and when you talk about the resurrection. These are the deep things of God that we only know a little bit of. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, spiritually understood. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's why even the things we're talking about tonight and the things we talked about this afternoon and the things we talk about every Sunday, when you're sitting in with your natural mind on, it's like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. This is craziness. When you look with your natural mind at people laughing hysterically, running around the building, rolling on the floor, crying their eyes out. <sighs> when you look at that with your natural mind, you're like, cuckoo. Wie haalt die eerste dwangbuis? We hebben er een paar nodig hier. But they are spiritually understood. The spiritual man sees what's happening. But the natural mind finds it foolishness. That's why God has chosen the foolishness of the gospel. To bring people to Christ. So that only people who accept the foolishness, the simplicity of the gospel. It's like you have to become a fool to become a Christian. Because with your mind, you can't rationalize your way in. You can only believe your way in. And believing like a child. But the natural mind thinks it's ridiculous, the things of the Spirit of God. It's, 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 it doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to make sense. It's supposed to make faith. Amen. The spiritually discerned. That's why when you read the Bible, before you got saved, before your mind got enlightened, the Bible didn't make any sense to you. It's like, I don't get it. There's words, but it doesn't make any sense to me. But then when you got saved, when you got born again, the veil was taken away. The blindness from our eyes removed. And the light went on. And we're like, oh, how come not everybody else sees this? <laughs> Immediately you start telling everybody, how come you can't see it? Five minutes ago, you couldn't see it either. <laughs> but this is so rich and so wonderful. You got to have this too. Yes. But only the humble man can enter in. Yeah. 
fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So if we understand that the natural man does not understand and does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, then if we want to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it's not done in the natural man, it's done in the spirit man. Does that make sense? You can't have fellowship with the Spirit from a natural, carnal nature. You can only have, like, physical goes with physical, but spiritual goes with spiritual. With my body, I contact the physical world. With my soul, I contact the emotional world. But with my spirit, I contact the spiritual world. Right? Many people are tapping from all kinds of other sources, but we got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's so holy that Jesus said, you can say anything about me, but if you say anything about the Holy Spirit, you're in trouble. See, the Holy Spirit descended on Christ like a dove. And if you've ever walked on the dummy, you see all those doves there? All those pigeons? You walk and they, they, they fly off. Because they're tender. And so so also our our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have to nurture it and care for it. See, he said, we read it in Ephesians 4, that if we just like let all kinds of language come out of our mouth, and we're always upset and things like that, then it grieves the Holy Spirit. It's a place where he doesn't feel comfortable. And just like you're decorating your house in a way that you, when you come home, you feel, oh, I'm at home. Let our hearts be that place where he comes and says, ah, home. Home. Let our life be that place where he's like, home. Home. Not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday, Tuesday, every day of the week. Fellowship. In Daniel 11, verse 32, he said, Those who know their God will be strong. Those who know their God will be strong. God wants us to know him intimately for ourselves. Paul prayed by the Holy Spirit. He prayed for the church in Colossae, for the Colossians. And he said that you may walk worthy of the Lord and grow in the knowledge of God. It's my prayer for you all the time. You may grow in the knowledge of God. I want to know him more this year than I did last year. Like the psalmist said, my heart follows hard after thee, O God. Job said this in Job 42, verse 5. Job had talked all kinds of nonsense, but then God showed up in a whirlwind. I, thought, I think I talked about it last week, right? And Job said this. He said, I heard about you with the hearing of my ears. But now my eyes have seen you. Things change. When you have a revelation. Doesn't mean you see him physically. But I'm talking about you see him with the eyes of your spirit. You see Christ as he really is. That's the job. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit to really reveal Christ to us. Many people they've heard about God from others. And that's better than having, having nothing. But we can't stay there. We've got to go on. Like, I think it's John who said this. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. 1 John 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have held, handled concerning the word of life. That's not some like long distance thing. It's like intimate and close. When I preach, I endeavor to preach from something that I know and not something I've heard about. I've heard somebody else preach on. It's like I want to be able to, I want to have it handled myself. 
And then verse 3, that's which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship! Fellowship is not just talking, it's also hearing. It's abiding. Let's, let's turn to John chapter 15. I'll wrap up soon. John 15 verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Is there any distance in that? That's close, intimate. Abiding. Living. Dwelling. In him and him living and dwelling in us. That's not just visiting God or visiting church. That's, that's living. In him I live and move and have my being. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Do you see what goes before the asking? It goes to the listening. Two ears and one mouth. The Bible says in James, let every one of you be slow to speak and quick to hear. But many times our whole relationship with the Lord is just, Lord, I, I, Lord, just speaking to Him. But He says, let my words abide in you. Meditating on the Word. Like we, like we read in the, in the offering message. Meditating in the Word, being planted by the rivers of living water. Drawing. Really drawing. Really acknowledging. Really chewing. Really grabbing a hold of. Not just quickly passing by, but Lord, I'm grabbing a hold of you. I want to know you. I want to know your Word. I want to know the depth of your heart. I want to fellowship with you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will. And then Ephesians chapter 5. As we see him, as we behold him, we become like him. The Holy Spirit makes us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5 verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us. So when you are in fellowship with him, like I said in the beginning, the five people you hang around the most, you're going to become like him. But if you hang around the Holy Ghost, you hang around the presence of God, what's going to happen? He's going to rub off on you. It's going to smear off on you. You're going to smell like him. You're going to, like when you hang out with a, with a strong personality, you take over habits that they have. The way they speak, the, way they, the mannerisms and stuff like that. Imagine hanging out with God. Spending time with God. How he rubs off on you. When you hang around Jesus, when you hang around his spirit, what will happen? He's going to rub off on you. You're going to speak like him. Mannerisms like him. Love like him. Full of peace like Him. Amen. Take authority like Him like we just talked about this afternoon. And then you have the signs following that followed Him. But where does it start? It all starts imitating God. Looking at Him and doing that. What you behold is what you become. What are you beholding? A motorcyclist... He steers with his eyes. If he looks this way, he's steering. So I've been told at least. But your vision directs 
where you're going. You can never enter into a, vision, uh, into a future that you cannot see. But when you put your eyes on Jesus, that's why the Bible says in Hebrews 12, let, let us run this race looking unto Jesus, beholding Jesus. But in of ourselves, we can never become like him, but it's the greater one inside of us that makes us like him. Thanks for listening to today's message. To be notified of new episodes, just hit the subscribe button. And to connect with Ben on social media, you can find him at Ben Kruska on Instagram and Facebook.